your Bibles to Luke chapter 7 and Joshua chapter 10. Luke chapter 7 and Joshua chapter 10. Two things we do. We're, I mentioned we're not a quiet church, but we're also a note-taking church. So open your Bible app on your phone. Uh, we have free Wi-Fi you can use. Uh, open your literal Bible. Open a something to take notes with. Write down what God is speaking to you. Because there's going to be a moment in this service that you're going to hear something that speaks directly to you. Uh, every time you come to church, it's not about what others need. It's about what you need. You need to be a little selfish when you come to church, knowing that you're coming to be fed. You're coming to receive. And it needs to be applicable to your life. And so there's going to be multiple points, some points, a point, some message in here that God has for you today. It could have happened during the worship already. Uh, however the Lord is speaking, take him seriously because then he'll start taking you seriously. Uh, so make sure to write that down. Uh, I want to share a quick Father's Day story. I was reminded of all the, my memories with my dad. But I also, and I have lots of great memories I could share with my dad. But I remember getting uh, to the phase where I was getting serious. I was courting Emily. And I was getting to know her parents. And he was going to become my father-in-law, right, or father-in-love. And so um, I, I helped move them uh, to Oklahoma, and we were having a good time. I was, dude, come on. I helped them move from Phoenix. This is me trying to court their daughter. I physically picked up, moved, loaded everything, drove it to Oklahoma to help them move, unloaded, set it all up. I was doing everything I can to impress, right? You got to impress got to set a good standard. You young men who haven't yet, you need to impress the father-in-law. Okay, You need to ask the father-in-law's permission. That's what I was doing. I was preparing the way. And then we had a moment. <laughs> so I was in there. I never stayed the night, so I stayed the night. And so in my house, if there's a guest bathroom, usually no one uses it except for random strangers, guests who come over. Well, I decided, I was like, oh, you know what? Hey, I've been working. I'm going to go, you know, go to the restroom. So I go to the restroom and I go open the restroom door, just not thinking anything. And he's in the restroom, using the restroom, but not standing, sitting. I'm trying not to describe. So I, I'm sitting there and I, but I, I, I had already opened the door. So the door kind of just flung open and it's a little out of his reach and a little out of my reach. So both of us, my wife and, uh, and her, my mother-in-law hear us both go up. And then we made eye contact for a little bit, and I was like, I'm going to go. And I just bailed. <laughs> and I just ran, ran out of there. Uh, I didn't exactly, I, I made up for those points. He still said, yes, I could marry his daughter. Uh, but that's one of the first memories I have with my father-in-law. And I thought I'd share that with you today. Dad, I know you're streaming right now. He's streaming. Uh, man, love to share that story. <clears throat> But I want to share with you today, I want to talk to you about the I Am Significant series that we're on. And I'm going to read these two scriptures, uh, and I want to speak to the value of who you are. And I want you to understand how worthy you are. Many Christians grew up in a false doctrine that teach you you're not worth anything. And that could be true if Jesus didn't come and pay his life for you. But Jesus, God found you so worthy that he gave his only son. And you're, you've been bought with a price, so your value has been set. 
So I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to continue. This is part five of our series. And so I want to read the truth, read the scripture, and then I want to extract significant truth for you and I today that we can stand on, apply to our life, and receive as a transforming word in our heart. Okay? So look with me first in Joshua chapter 10. It's in the Old Testament. And look down towards the end of verse 12 going into 13, 14, and 15. It says this. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, so he starts talking to the Lord first, in the presence of Israel. Now he stands and speaks to the sun. He says, sun, stand still over Gibeon. And you, moon, tells the moon over the valley of Hijon. And the sun still stood still and the moon stopped. Everybody say stop. The moon stopped in its place. Till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky, delaying going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Who's he talking about? A human being. He didn't say, Josh, a great man of God, a a man who was much stronger, better, talented, anointed. He just said a human being. Listen to you. He listened to a human being. He says, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Now I want you to go with me, and I want you to go to Luke chapter 7 and verse 1. And I'm going to read the story of the centurion to you, and then we're going to pull the truth out of here. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening... He entered Capernaum, which is kind of like their hub and headquarters a lot of times. There a centurion's servant whom a master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This is a man who deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Generosity, let me just tell you, generosity will open doors in your life. Even when you don't even know what door you're going to open, generosity will beget generosity in your life. So Jesus went to them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This, uh, that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and to that one come and he does. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Everybody say amazed. Anything that amazes Jesus is worth looking a little closer at. And so it amazed Jesus, and uh, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this word, and we thank you, God, for what it's going to do in our life. 
We thank you that we're ready to receive. We thank you, God, Lord, that we're ready to hear. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to establish great value and worth in us. And, God, Lord, we're going to be able to walk out that worth, that significance, and that value with confidence in our life. And any enemy that approaches us, God, Lord, we will overcome. Because surely the Lord is fighting with us. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that we're not alone in this fight. We're the majority in this fight. Because God plus us equals the majority. And, Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that you're going to help us overcome. Overcome any adversity that we face. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. I'm excited, as you can tell. Uh, I'm amped up and ready as usual. I, I really, I can't wait to share this whole word with you, so I'll try not to jump ahead and go too far. But I want to just start off by saying at the beginning of this word with the centurion, he's, he's nameless. His name's not even written in Scripture. Yet th- this is a Scripture where Jesus was amazed by a man and they don't even remember his name. I wonder if many of us have ever felt like that. Especially just talking, I'm talking about two warriors today, a a Roman centurion and Joshua, a man of battle and war. That's perfect for Father's Day. But this centurion was nameless, didn't even remember his name. And I bet a lot of us walk through life wondering if we're making an impact at all. Wondering if anybody remembers us, wondering if we're valuable, wondering if we make a difference, wondering if there's something about us that's actually causing a change in this world. What value or worth do I have? And yet I'm here to tell you today that you have great significance, you have great worth, you have great value. Because when we start off this scripture, we see that this centurion, this centurion is having a kind of an inner dialogue. He's like, okay, I have a servant who's sick. And as the leader of his house, he's responsible for the issues that happen in his home. And let me just tell you, the issue's only the problem until the leader decides not to handle it. Then the leader becomes the problem because the leader didn't address the situation. Do you hear what I'm saying? So the problem is just the issue until the leader decides to deal with it. But if the leader never deals with it, they become the problem. So this wonderful man and leader of his home steps out, and he decides to lead his home. I don't know who Jesus is. I've heard of Jesus. Go get Jesus and bring him here. Heal my servant. He knew he had to find a solution. And then as he's sitting there, he sends his servants. The servants are bringing him to him. And then the Bible says that as he was approaching the house... He sent some friends to him with a new idea. So that means he had to be in sight. So he's looking through the window, waiting on Jesus. He sees Jesus coming, and probably, I'm guessing, just like you and I, if you'd have seen Jesus in the flesh walking to you, whether you knew him or not, you'd know, whoa, this is the real deal. And so this guy sees Jesus and says, I'm not worthy for him to come in my home. So he gets a new idea, and he says, okay, I I understand authority. I don't know who Jesus is, but I understand I'm a man under authority, and I can then speak with authority. I say do, and they go. I say be, and they be, right? They do, they jump, they jump. They, They do what I command them to do under the authority that I speak with. I understand that. So go tell Jesus. He doesn't even have to come in. Send his word, because I know authority. And the first thing I want to tell you today is your significance doesn't come from your power. It comes from his authority. See, that's the first thing. Come on, you heard a few people say amen. By the end of this service, all of you will. But you're, you're going you're gonna to understand that it's not by your power. It's not by your might. But it's by his spirit, says the Lord. 
See, we, we need to understand that your significance, your value, your worth doesn't come from how powerful you think you are. It comes from the authority that you walk under. When I understand that I walk under the authority of God, I can then speak with authority. See, you, we don't even have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't have to get it all memorized and in your head. You just need to understand the first thing, uh, the rule with walking in faith is understanding where your authority and your power really comes from. And he knew authority. He knew what authority meant. He said, all you got to do is say your word. That's why when we read in Joshua, Joshua had, he said, I was speaking with the Lord. Then in the middle of the battle, he says, son, stand still. And he speaks to the son. You can imagine what, all the soldiers around him like, okay, I think he's got heat stroke. Somebody get him some water. This guy's obviously a little dehydrated. You know, you, uh, what, what, what would be your look? The guy starts screaming at the son in the middle of battle. And he's supposed to be in charge of you. But he knew authority. He knew he had to go to where his source of authority was to speak with authority. So then the same thing happens with the centurion, and he speaks with authority, and he says, just speak your word, and it'll be done. I know it will. And the servant was made well. Now, the second thing that I want you to notice is this. When he does this, uh, Jesus breaks some rules. And I'm here to tell you today, God wants to break some rules for you. Did you know we serve a rule-breaking God? You know why he can break the rules? Because he made them. So he can break them. So what happened is uh, this centurion, not only was he a Roman, and of course they were under Roman rule, he would be crucified, right, on the cross by Roman guards. We all know this. That was to come. But they were already under the oppression of Roman rule and wanted to be free from it. So even going to his house was culturally wrong. You shouldn't go there. That's why they had to plead with him. Please come see him. I know it's not, uh, it's outside of the norm. But even in that, we see that, but even in his request, the centurion's request, was breaking the rules. Did you know that? Because up until this point in the Bible, there had never been a miracle through Jesus' ministry that he wasn't there for. But this centurion decided to say, hey, will you come and just speak? He didn't know the rules. He didn't know the protocol. He didn't know the procedure. He didn't know the right scripture to say. He didn't have his Bible. He didn't look the church part. He didn't know what was going on. He just knew what power was. And he knew what, author he knew what authority looked like. And since he could see what real authority was, he knew he could invite someone to say, hey, you don't even got to do this. So we, he started thinking outside of the box. Think about this, church. Start thinking outside of our little Christian box because God wants to break the rules for somebody. Just a chapter before this, the rule was don't touch a leopard because a leopard is unclean. But Jesus broke the rule and Jesus went and touched a leopard. And what was unclean, he made clean. And the same thing continued to happen. Jesus walked on water. That's breaking the rules. Jesus worked on the Sabbath, breaking the rules. Jesus loves to break the rules. And God wants to break the rules for somebody because favor isn't fair. And God wants to operate in a whole other level of favor in your life because of the commanding faith that you walk in. Okay, all right. Are we getting warmed up? I know that's a lot. But y'all with me, right? You receiving something? Okay, you got to walk in this powerful authority. It's called, that's why I would title this sermon today, Commanding Faith. Both of these men knew how to command, and both of them knew how to operate in a whole other level of faith. I'm going to go a little further. 
Well, Flagstaff has always been known as, you can't do that, Landon. We've never seen that happen. You can't have a church like that, Landon. A Pentecostal charismatic church never been that big. Uh, you, oh, you never, oh, no, you can't fill up the Audrey. Oh, no, you can't do this. Oh, no, you can't re- go into the prison ministry and change our state. Oh, no, we've saw over 500 men give their life to the Lord and over 150 baptized. And God continues to shine favor and favor because there's a commanding faith that says, I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what culture says. I don't even know what culture says but I know what my God can do and my God can do anything see this building is too big oh but you can't you can't you can't buy property in Flagstaff is too expensive you can't buy more property you can't have another building oh yeah there's no way you're going to get a bigger building yet God gave us this building for free debt free and it's triple the size that we used to be in let me tell you God can do it God is in the business of breaking the rules he loves it because he made him. He broke the rule, right? I'm going to go a little bit further, okay? Go ahead and say, go ahead, preacher. So the Joshua, who's smarter than a fifth grader? We all are, right? Joshua said, son, stand still. Now, I went to elementary. I'm not the most educated, right? But I know that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. I know the earth revolves around the sun. So Joshua speaks to the sun. He doesn't know what he's, he's ignorant. Doesn't even know what he's asking. But God's ready to break the rule. That's, Joshua, that's not how it works. But I don't care, man. God's about to grant somebody a prayer request that you didn't get right, you didn't ask right, you don't even know what to say, but God knows what you need, and he'll, he'll supply what you need. He's going to take care of what you need. You don't have to. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody who's new to church, new to the things of God. You think you got to know all the scriptures and know the way that church people do things. God's like, no, you don't. I know your heart, and I want to be able to bless you however you can get it out of you. Just speak with commanding faith. And he, he interrupts the rules. And the, that's the second part. I want to talk about this a little bit. Ignorant faith. And that may sound negative, but it's actually a positive. Because some of us find our significance in our intellectual quotient, our IQ. But our significance doesn't come from our IQ, right? It comes from him. It doesn't come from how, how much I know. You could have a GED or a PhD, and God loves you exactly the same, and you're still as valuable. You, you, you may not even know what to say or how to say it. You can't, uh, into, you can't really put it eloquently, right? Who cares? God doesn't. God's like, no, 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 I see your faith. I see your heart. That's what I'm looking for, commanding faith. You don't even know what you're saying. It's like gibberish. You're talking baby talking. You don't even know the words that are coming out of your mouth, but I know what you need. And it's ignorant faith. Ignorant faith, just like the centurion. He didn't even know what he needed. He didn't even really know how, like, how's Jesus going to do this? I don't even get it. I don't even really know who Jesus is, but I know authority. I know how power works. And he said, I have yet to see faith like this. And it amazed him because the man was ignorant of protocol and procedure, because the man was ignorant of pomp and circumstance and how you're supposed to be in the presence of. No, no, they dismissed all of those, both these men. And all of a sudden they decided to say, I don't even know how to articulate this, but I know I need something from you. And then you just command it with faith and you watch God move on your behalf. 
I'm, I'm just, I'm giving somebody some freedom in here that your IQ doesn't determine how great you are. Somebody said amen, right? I, I'm, I'm not the only one in here. I have two degrees, and I can tell you I took Spanish one four years in a row in high school. I failed geometry. I, I am not good with numbers. I, I don't know. I have to research all of this before. I, I have to work twice as hard. In order to prepare a sermon, I have to write 40 pages of notes, whittle it down to 20, riddle it down to 10. I spend weeks and weeks and weeks. I read it five or six times. I pre-preach it six or seven times. I have to work, 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 work at it because I'm, I'm not, the a talent and ability is not there. I have to try twice as hard. So when I hear this word, it's a joy to me to say, okay, God can use somebody who doesn't have it all, somebody who's not super talented, somebody who doesn't know it all, somebody who doesn't have it all figured out, doesn't have all the pieces working for them. And I know I'm speaking to somebody else besides myself today to say God's not looking for you to be equipped. He wants to equip you. God wants to empower you. When you come before the Lord trying to act like you have it all together is when he can't work on you. But when you reveal that you do need help, he can do his best work. That's how the Bible says, come sincere before the Lord. Right? Without wax. All the blemishes. All the stuff. Hey, I'm jacked up. No, I'm not that bright, but you made me. You know what's up. (laughs) No, I don't have, and, and I'm not self-deprecating myself. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to degrade myself. I'm just saying, you have to be legit where you are. That's okay. I know my weaknesses and I know my strengths. But I, I, I rejoice in this scripture knowing that these men didn't have it all figured out. And yet God, Jesus was amazed by one and God was amazed by the other. You know how I would know that God was amazed by Joshua? Because he had a quick conversation and then he spoke to the son. Somebody needs to get a new look on your face today. When you start speaking with, what does that look look like? What do you think Joshua looked like? Son! And he gets to go ahead and take that picture and tweet it. Say, this is, this is what commanding right, looks like. Yeah. All right. And you, you, you have to get that face. What does that look like for you? To be able to command with faith. Because there was a lot of other people like, Stood around for a whole day. The sun went on another day. Did you know, like, I, I, let me just show you some more science in this. We all know how the planets orbit, but let me tell you, if, the, if, if, if just the Earth stopped, it would send our moon out. It would also send in the other planets in a cataclysmic, destructive course for our entire solar system. So what would have to happen? is the entire solar system from planet to planet to planet to the sun would have to slow down. So this man, he didn't even know what he was asking. Yet God was amazed. He was like, are you kidding? He is commanding the sun and God slows down the solar system for Joshua's commanding faith. And he doesn't say, the scripture doesn't say there never will be a day like it. It says there hasn't been one since. So God, and I know this, I know in scripture there's word, the, the words are in there on purpose. Because he says there'll never be another man like Solomon after. So we, we'll, we know we'll never have a man with Solomon's wisdom on this earth other than Jesus. So we know that. But he says it hasn't happened yet. God is looking for somebody with commanding faith. That says, no, I, I'm going to command. I don't even know how it all works. 
but I'm crazy enough and I got that wild look in my eye be like, okay, you're just going to stop this. And he stops the whole solar system. And you know the key to this is, that, is this. He didn't go to God about his problem. He went to his problem about his God. And he began to speak to his situation. See, some of us have been doing this version too long. Every person that we, every enemy, every problem, every situation, we come in. Do you know what they're doing to me, Lord? Do you know what's happening? I can't. Oh, they're at it again. And we're going there, Legata, we're, we're like, we're just like, do you, come on, Lord, you better deal with them. And we're like trying to throw them at Jesus when God is saying, if you'll stop this difficult process that you're trying to work out, if you'll just start turning to them and bring me to them, what's going to happen is this. Because Joshua was surrounded with five nations around him, outnumbered and ready to be killed. And God, and God was still with Joshua, so it meant they had the majority. And Joshua, before his destruction, God, he knew what God said. God promised him. He said, today I'm going to give you the victory. You're going to have the victory. I'm going to give them into your hand. You're gonna have... So he just knew that. He knew, I'm going to win. So he came, went out, commanded the son, you've got to stand still because my God wants us to win. And so as he's speaking to his circumstance about his God and his God's word and his God's will, the sun and the solar system begins to stop so that he can continue to advance and have victory because that's what God wants you to do. God wants you to have victory over your enemies. God wants you to have victory over your adversaries. God wants you to have victory over your haters because what you do with all those things, sometimes even people that are vexing you and trying to malign you and trying to destroy you, what you do when you bring Bring them to God is the attack that they've been trying to bring, the destruction they've been trying to bring, those words that they've been trying to bring. All of a sudden, they're going to run face first into a brick wall called God. And they're going to have to come to terms with that. They haven't been against you all the time. They've actually been against him. And so now that they've come against him, they're going to have to have a reconciliation moment to say, you need to humble yourself. And the enemies are going to have to come to terms with who God is in their life. They're going to have to repent. They're going to have to be humbled. Because what happened is at some point, and it's not, again, we all know we're not, our battles are not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities and the darkness that's not of this world. We know that. So we know it's against the spirit, but what sometimes people do, because how many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes that spiritual enemy, enemy looks, like, looks like that guy, looks like that girl. And you're like, no, I know you say it's against spirit, but I think, oh, you know what? I think they're a spirit. I think they are a demon in the flesh. And you're just convinced of it. See, what they've done, and with unbeknownst to them, sometimes unknowingly, sometimes knowingly, is they've gotten an alignment with the wrong thing, which causes them to go against your assignment. See, it's what's on them that opposes who's in you. And so you have to come to terms with saying, okay, well, then I got to bring all of you, <laughs> you and all your ugly cousins. We're going all the way to Jesus, and you got to talk to Jesus because I'm bringing, I'm going to speak my, pro bring my problem to my God and say, okay, God, you got to, you got to, you got to deal with this. You got to handle this. I believe God's going to help somebody enter into a winning season this year. 
where, where all the people and all the things and all the times and everything, some, another adversary, another person, another stuff, all the garbage, all the haters, all the gossip, all the vexing, all the, someone who just constantly tries to marginalize you, to, to shrink you down and belittle you and destroy you, you you're going to have to go ahead and stop, stop bringing them to God and go ahead right here and turn around and say, okay, I'm going to start going ahead and talking to my problem and introducing them to my God. And every time they, they try to cause another argument, hey, you know what? You need to meet Jesus. You ever heard somebody say that before? You need Jesus. That's, that's, not, that, that's real. You, you, hey, you, you need to spend some time with the Lord. Hey, you need to talk with God for a little bit. And if they don't know God, they're going to be introduced to God. And you're going to help introduce that, even your enemies, even the people who've come against you. See, this is, this is what commanding faith looks like. This is what a significant lifestyle looks like, is to be able to stand there in the middle of the battlefield and command the whole solar system to cease so that God can continue to help you win. That's how much God wants you to win. You think God wants a defeated body of Christ when he shows up? All hunched over, looking rough. We survived. I think some of us think differently, but live differently. We think, we think like, oh no, it's going to be this glorious, beautiful bride, and we're shining bright, but a lot of us live like this. And we're like, well, if it's God's will that I get beat again, okay. And we just, we're so used to being abused. We're so used to being belittled. We're so used to being devalued. We're so used to not being important. We're so used to being, and, and even when we go into church, then some brother wonderful out there says, you're nothing and you're worthless according to God. Your righteousness is filthy rags. And we use the twist a couple scriptures in the Bible to fit how pathetic we are and how destructive we are and how little we are and how small we are. When God says the exact opposite, you are my son, you are my child, you are my daughter. But when you're living a defeated lifestyle that doesn't know how to command with faith everything around you begins to wither and fade and lose life and lose hope and you begin to become the victim instead of the victor that you were created to be I'm touring like in multiple places this summer to speak at different churches and this significant series is what I'm carrying with me because I believe there's a revival of a revelation and understanding your significance that will bring transformation in our world today. But it, we have to understand that God loves you so much, he doesn't care how much you know. He doesn't care what your title is, how big and bad you think you are. He knows where authority and root, because you all know that. Right, we all know who's in charge when the, that guy, you know, talking about walks into the room or that woman walks into a room. When that individual walks in the room, everybody's like, oh, well, obviously, we're all going to defer. You know, I'm at the gym a lot of times, and you think you're big until that guy walks in. And then when he walks in, he's in charge. You're like, hey, and you give, you give the respectful nod. You're like, I respect that you're much bigger than me. And I'm going to keep walking. I'll, I'll let, I'll, I'll wait. You walk. And I'll, no, you, you can have my weights. <laughs> I wasn't lifting. I, you can do whatever you want. Do you want me to spot you? 
You, you recognize authority. You recognize power. That's why it was so transformational when the Holy Spirit brought that to my, my sight and my vision that he had to have seen Jesus. And he had to have seen what real authority and power looks like. Because this man being a centurion at the level he was at, he's been to Rome. He's seen who's in charge of Rome. He knows what that power looks like. And yet he looked at this man, Jesus, walking in the flesh. And he said, you can't even come in here. I'm not worthy. I know what power looks like. And that is authority. And he knew it right then. And see, when you can see who Jesus is in your life, you'll see the authority on your life, and you'll start walking differently, you'll start talking differently, you'll start speaking and living differently. All of a sudden, the finances will turn around. All of a sudden, your assignment will come to life. All of a sudden, everything's going to start coming into fruition because God says, okay, let's do this together. I don't wanna, I'm looking for somebody to amaze me. Did you, God wants to buy. He's like, okay, who's going to ask for something crazy today? And he's looking around, trying to find a church, hoping that there's somebody that will believe with crazy faith, with commanding faith. And, and I'm going too long here. I'm looking at the time. They, keep the, they flash the time and land the plane. Um, but I, I want to tell you, man, th th this, this significant series is so transformational, so powerful. We're seeing a revival in the summertime. Churches don't see that. That's not what happens. And we're seeing God do an incredible work when it shouldn't be happening because God wants to break the rules. God wants to do something different. God says, I don't care how they do it. Be crazy enough to ask God for something that no one has ever even thought of, let alone asked. Be crazy enough to, to believe for something that you've never even heard of but you know that it's possible. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. We're going to leave here today transformed. We're going to leave here today transformed. And saints and believers, I want you to begin to pray in your own voice right now. Come on, we're not a quiet church. I want you to pray. I want you to pray about the word that you've heard. I want you to pray about your city, pray about your family. You men in here, you fathers, pray for your family right now. And begin to declare the things. Begin to command with faith the, the, the prosperity over your, your home. Begin to declare the peace over your home. Some of us, need, come on, start speaking. Some of you men, you know you need that peace in your home. You know you need that deliverance in your home. You know you need to bring your enemy, right? You need to go ahead and show up and tell your enemy who your God is. You need to bring God to him. You need to let him hit that brick wall and let him understand that every enemy that's come against you, they aren't going to be able to prosper. They aren't going to be able to take advantage of you anymore. They're not going to win anymore because now is your winning season. This is your winning season. Right now, you've entered it today. And from this day forward, for, for all throughout this year and into next year, you're going to have a winning season. Come on, somebody, begin to pray and thank God because God's going to bring a winning season to you. God's going to bring a winning season for your business. God's going to bring a winning season for your family. God wants to vanquish your enemies that have tried to come against you, and he wants to help you overcome. He wants to help you succeed. He wants to help you have victory and win. In the name of Jesus, we're going to command that faith right now. We're going to command with faith. 
Lord, and see great faith come from this house. God, Lord, we need a bigger building. God, we need more property. We need more locations to be launched. God, Lord, we need more ministers to be raised up. God, we need more volunteers to sign up. God, we need more people to get connected and plugged in. God, Lord, I pray, bring in the harvest, God. Bring in the impossible, God. Do the incredible, God. Lord, we command with faith today. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. We're going to see, Lord, great transformation. Lord, from your word. And we're going to see the power of God demonstrated through our commanding faith. Somebody's getting a backbone today. Somebody's going to stand up for their family from now on. Somebody's going to speak up from now on. Somebody's going to be able to say what they've never been able to say. And they're going to be able to have the faith to say it now. And Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that you're giving passion to the passionless. God, you're giving dreams, God, Lord, to the dreamless. And Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that you're instilling it into each and every individual today, here and online. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity for anybody in here to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here or online. And if that's you and you want to declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life, you want to receive salvation in your life, you want to spend eternity in heaven, then this is your chance. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And this is your chance. You're going to pray a prayer in a moment. And we're all going to pray it with you. And eternity is going to be granted to you. Significance and value are going to be revealed to you. And if that's you, here and online, if you want to do that, you want to pray that prayer with no one looking around, I want you to raise your hand right now in faith. Raise your hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for all those hands going up. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for that hand, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for all the hands online, too, and the hearts that are open. With every hand that's raised and heart that's open, I want you to pray this prayer after me, and I want everybody in here to pray it together. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I'm forever yours, and I am saved. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Let's give God some praise.